I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Mm-hmm. Oh. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. <clears throat> you went out last night? Yes. Where did you go? Akbar. How was that? For Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. The celebration of uh, Madogma's birthday. Do you know how old she is? Well, she was born in 58, right? I would have to confirm that. I don't know. Um, Ms. Ciccone, uh She was born in 58. Wow. So she I'm... turned 63 yesterday. Okay. Yeah, I know Akbar's been doing that for a few years. I don't... I don't remember if I went last year. I think I... I think I went before the pandemic, though, so that would have been 2019. Yeah, because I that Madam X was still pretty fresh, and I remember uh, dancing to Ray of Light, and I don't search, I find back to back. Uh, it was packed last night. There was oh. a liner on the block to get in. Monkey pox. Okay. <laughs> Oops. But once I got inside, it wasn't as bad. But you know, have you been to Akbar with the, when the toilet situation is funky? What do you mean? Somebody had an explosive something in one of those. <laughs> that's always a fear is having to, you know, yeah, but having to do more than number one in a gay bar bathroom. But I've been there before in that, that back part of the main bar where something happened in the bathroom and you, you just couldn't sit back there because the, it perme the smell permeated the whole area. Oh, well, you know. Mm. Bodily functions happen. It's true, but uh, otherwise it was it was fun. I took my driver's license exam this morning online. Uh, it was actually better. The experience was better than I thought it would be. How do they not stop you from cheating? They don't. I mean, oh. I, I mean, well, I mean, anyone could have taken the test for me, I suppose, um, because it didn't really ask me to verify who I am. So there are two. There are two options. There's one where it's proctored, but then one would have to like be prepared to take the test like immediately. I chose the e-learning option because mm -hmm. I was not prepared to take, I hadn't studied one thing. So I paid my $39 and did the e-learning version, which basically walks through like eight different sections, like traffic signs, uh, driving under the influence, blah, blah, blah. And then after every section, there's a small quiz. And then I assumed that after every section, that small quiz was preparing me for a bigger test. Mm -hmm. But no, I finished it. And it's like, okay, you finished your renewal test. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure how they're making certain that the licensed person took the test. But I will say, as someone who took the test properly, like I actually did listen to everything. And it only took like an hour and some change. I, I probably learned more doing that than if I would have just skimmed the booklet and then winged it. Because, you know, a big part of taking tests is kind of just like thinking about the question and, yeah, you know, critical thinking and process of elimination and common sense will get you pretty far, you know, for what, however many 75% have to be accurate. But being walked through the e-learning situation, um, I, for my learning style, was pretty effective. I feel like I did learn a lot. Yeah, but I feel like most people would abuse that. <laughs> I'm assuming there is a percentage of people who are having other people take it for them. But, you know, the other thing, too, is it's kind of pointless. Like, 
So then someone's going to take it for you that has to sit through the entire thing yeah. because you can't just skip through it. To me, that's pretty lame. No, I mean like retaining the what you learned. Oh, oh sure, sure. I, I meant cheating is like, you know, I know people probably do cheat, but yeah. Anyhow. So now you'll get your real ID finally. Well, no, now I have to make an, I made an appointment to go and submit all the paperwork. Oh. It just means that I can get through faster because I don't have to take the test and I've already submitted my documents. Oh yeah. I remember when I went in to do that, which was probably 2019 and being surprised on the spot that I had to take the test. So I had to read through that damn booklet. Well, in the DMV, I chose the one near our house, which is right next to the gym I go to, and I've blocked three hours of my day for this. So my goal is to be able to get to that appointment, go to the gym, and be done within the three hours. Okay. So we'll see. Wow, look at you. So we'll see if the DMV uh, can uh, assist me with that. If not, you'll curse them. Anyway, so we watched the first episode of RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race Season 2. Mm -hmm. The format's different this time because all of the queens are, all, all nine of them showed up at once. Mm -hmm. Last season, every episode, there were three new people who just basically did one, one lip sync. But this one, the budget is obviously much higher and the people who make it to the end are spending a lot more time doing drag. <laughs> right? I mean, the person who wins will have probably done what? Like eight episodes? Yeah. Or six? Actually, I think it's six because we prepaid for all the... Oh, anyway. I, based on what we paid, it seems like there's probably like six or seven episodes. But they're not revealing who the celebrities are until they're eliminated. Mm -hmm. So episode one, all of the celebrities... Um, did a lip sync. It was kind of like very rapid. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so many. There are so many and then we can't see their faces. So we don't really see them rehearsing or putting makeup on, obviously. It's just kind of like from the from the back, we kind of hear them answer one question and then they immediately get on stage and perform. And you hear, you see clips of their drag mentors chatting with them, which are Brooklyn Heights, uh, Monet Exchange, and Juju B. Who's back again? Back, back, back. I didn't need them. Nope, not at all. But uh, who knows? Well, I don't know. This format's weird because when we get to the end and there are fewer queens, we still can't see their faces. Mm -hmm. So it's weird watching someone talk as we're looking at the person they're talking to. But the first episode, the queen who was eliminated was a queen who named herself Fabulosity, mm -hmm. which is a terrible drag name. Mm -hmm. But that celebrity was Loretta Devine. Who was one of the three that we clocked ahead of time. Like, we could, we knew it was her. Well, we clocked Loretta Devine, Daniel, Danny Franzese from Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. And who's the third? Oh, Taylor, Taylor Dane. Dane. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, yes, she kind of... They didn't really do her drag well, though. I, I Loretta she, looked so crazy. I thought she looked like the corpse of Kennedy Davenport. Her makeup was def definitely like cremation number three. Yeah. And then her outfit was bad. And, you know, she's an older woman. How old is Loretta Devine? Uh, is she in her 70s? I wouldn't be surprised. But she's I mean, 72. Yeah. So, Actually, no. her birthday is in uh, a week. Yeah, no, I I like her a lot. I wish she had stayed at least another episode. And of all the people who, I mean, she's a real star. Yeah. Like a legit movie star yeah. and television star. It's just so funny that she went home first. But, you know, she's also really busy. You know, we were saying that I think maybe 
She probably is okay leaving after one episode because someone like her probably doesn't have the time to spend weeks doing this show. And remember, she and it was, can't pay what she's used no. to making. So well, she even says in her intro video, like she's doing this for fun and because no one would expect it. And she said her like step goddaughter, something crazy, <laughs> some random relative um, really likes the, the like the show and was super excited that she's doing it and actually i thought her lip sync wasn't bad it's just you know they had to sit her in a chair because she did it to mary j blige's uh, just fine just fine which, she was better than which was cute she was better than two other people i thought yeah i, I thought taylor dane was terrible yeah taylor dane all she did was kind of raise the roof as if her arms were glued to her <laughs> yeah she didn't seem that uh into it it's also to a pink song i can't stand so that's anyhow um so that's that moving on did you see that video that Kevin Federline posted of Britney Spears yelling at her kids? Uh, I saw a headline about it, but I didn't bother to read it. I watched it. It's a little uncomfortable, A, because like that's these people's personal business. Mm -hmm. And as the father, like why would you post that? It just seems really messy. I know they're going through, or he lost like child support payments or something. Oh. So I don't know if he's mad. He's mad. So I think it's really tacky that he did that. Like you also have children to think about and how this reflects on them and you know, the world knowing these kids business who didn't ask to be born into this chaotic ass shit. But if you eliminate that, that lady does not seem like someone who should be taking care of kids oh. on her own. Well, I, didn't, I didn't watch it, but that doesn't surprise me. Uh, the way she's talking to them, and it, it just she seems so fragile. Well, that's, you know, if you had a camera in most of these people's homes watching how they talk to their children. Moving on to another musician. But K-Fed's trash. Note. Popo's uh, out. Popo's out, yeah. Popo's Which out. means bring your ass. Because doesn't the lyric in this song say, it means bring your ass in Portuguese? I mean, of all her husband, well, I don't know. How many? She I had? remember thinking he was attractive back then, but uh, and then they had that show, that reality show. I just—that's right. I just remember my friend Camille and I clowning the hell out of that song. Wow, it's not a good song. No, but it's just like I can't believe this shit. Moving on to another musician, did you see Diane Warren commented about? She made sort of a jab at Beyonce, sort of commenting on like what song needs twenty-four writers. And that, and then referring to Beyonce's new album and how some tracks have like as many as 24 mm -hmm. writers. But so I think I know I've commented on this before because back when Beck won for album of the year and then everyone was criticizing how Beyonce didn't even get nominated, I think, or mm -hmm. certainly didn't win. And then people were commenting, including myself, like there are so many writers on this one album versus this one person wrote and produced and played the instrument. Yeah. You know, yes, it's more impressive to think one person was able to construct this piece of, you know, this body of work versus it taking a hundred people to do the other one. But I thought it was important to mention that because one of the producers on Beyonce's new album, of course, Beyonce would never respond to something like this. But one of the producers did and said that the reason many of her songs have so many writers is, is not because it took that many people to write the song. It's that she wants to pay homage to the artist's who influenced the track. So whether it's a direct sample or an interpolation of uh, a track who, so namely a lot of like black artists who don't own their publishing, mm -hmm. she wanted to give them credit because sure. technically she doesn't have to. Yeah. So like in, for, in the case of like Khalees, the track that she sampled, Khalees didn't write that song and doesn't own her publishing. So she only had to give credit to Pharrell. Mm-hmm. But she still gave credit to Khalees, which obviously was then removed because Khalees was mad. But 
So that's why a lot of these tracks have so many writers is that she wanted to give credit to artists who either don't own their publishing and never got credit or just wanted to give credit where credit was due. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was important to know. Like people are quick to criticize Beyonce in particular, but really she's just trying to like honor the artist who influenced the track. Right. I mean, you know, she's at such a level... (sighs) It, it, I feel like people are searching for things to to criticize. And then so. Diane Warren also made a comment about Diane Warren just wants being her Oscar. No, like like being nominated for so many Grammys. And then I I saw that you know of course the Beehive stays on top of all of this, but um, Diane Warren and uh, Beyonce have the same number of Grammys. <laughs> so I, you know, I, Beyonce I, has a lot of damn Grammys. So I, Diane Warren, I remember had some friend going to all these Oscar parties at the last the last award season, like really trying to hype her. <laughs> Anyhow, moving on. There was a question for I guess it's advice about how we. Oh, oh go ahead. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Oh, uh, there was something. There was some other big scandal. Oh, who is that? Hilton asshole that called Lizzo. Oh, Kathy Hilton was on Watch What Happens Live. And, you know, Andy Cohen's messy because he he did a thing where he was pulling up younger celebrities and asking Kathy Hilton if she knows who these people are. So first of all, it's like shady because you're doing this to this old lady who's out of touch and you know probably doesn't know. And then you're also setting it up so that she's going to like mistake some people and then that's shady against them. I just think that... Part of the problem, too, is like whoever let this lady on this show and then Andy Cohen playing these games. But he pulled up a picture of Lizzo and asked her who that was. And this lady said, precious. But this is what's disrespectful. It's OK. She doesn't know Lizzo. OK. She her mental reference is another big black woman. But can't she say like, oh, I don't know her name, but isn't that the woman that played precious? Well, right. You know, yeah. like. But the best part of the clip is. Everyone in the room is not black except some man behind the bar. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who this man is, but there's a black man behind the bar. And when she says that, the camera goes right to him and he makes a face like, oh my God. I mean, it's, I thought that was trashy. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I, and she should be fucking dragged, but whatever. Wow. Anyway. Who, you know, whomever is going to defend Lizzo probably is not going to affect Kathy Hilton. So No, but it's just like, I, I, it'd be nice to know that somewhere in, in her little universe, somebody said something that. Well, bitch, she's but... best friends with Latoya Jackson. I hope Latoya says something to her ass. Like <laughs> speaking about a touch, but anyway, uh, the question was, how do we stay in shape? How do we stay in shape? Which I think is funny because we really don't ever on like YouTube show our body. Like you can't see our bodies. So how does someone know that we're in shape? Well, but... <laughs> in 2009, I sold my soul to Satan and, no, uh, <laughs> well, you're in better shape than I am. I, okay, whatever. But yeah, people only see us from like the chest up. So you have a nice chest. Um, yeah, we're the same height and I weigh like 50 pounds more than you do. You have a completely different, <laughs> but I have a very different body than you do. I'm much more meaty than you are. Um, but yeah, how do you stay in shape? Uh, well, I run every day. You run every day. And, uh, sometimes eat properly. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm in shape, so I mean, there's nothing I, for me to say. I, I do exercise um, every day, but yeah, you do. But then I ruin it by eating like an animal. Same. I feel like I ruin the goodwill I if have I need, my body. The one thing I think, I mean, this would apply to both of us, but the one thing I am lucky in having is, is a man who makes food for you. No. <laughs> 
is I have no problem being active, meaning like I can work out every day. Mm-hmm. It like and like no like no matter what I can do something every day, which typically is we have a balcony attached to our bedroom, and I have a workout mat and one of those Bowflex like weight systems and a big mirror, and I'll just get out there and do like a forty minute workout, and I do that every day. It's not difficult for me mm-hmm. to get up and work out, which doesn't sound like a big deal. Like big whoop, want to fight about it, but. There are some people who we all know, you know, there are people we all know who like just getting them to walk from the oh, car yeah, to yeah. Target, like, you know, from the parking lot to the store is like they'll drive around for 20 minutes trying to find the closest parking spot. So getting them to go to the gym is like you'd have to kill them. No, I, you know, it's about habit forming. And now uh, if it's rare, unless I'm traveling where I don't run, like I run four, four and a half miles outside and it's my body kind of craves it. Uh, but even last night, I walked to and from Akbar, which is about a little over two miles from here. Yeah. I mean, I think it feels good, but... Yeah, I don't... I mean, I'm not like a, like the adrenaline from working out. Like, I'm not going to say that I love working out because I feel great. Although, when I do finish a workout, I do feel better. So, but I don't know that it's that feeling that motivates me. I just think that it's a habit that <laughs> yeah, I've had yeah. where it's like, oh, I have to exercise every day. And... You know, doing it at home makes it very efficient because I usually just put on shorts and that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to get ready, brush my teeth, do my hair, and then I spend 40 minutes and then I go rinse off and I'm done. I Yeah, I don't like the production of going to a gym and having to park and having to wait for any kind of equipment. Uh, yeah, the product... like. Go, I do go to the gym now, but that's because through our health insurance, it's very cheap. The gym is very close to our house. They have very nice, covered, secure parking that's free. And then I just go and do, you know, cardio. So it's very easy to get in and out. But yeah, I think the production of going. Yeah, that's a ter- Again, nothing wrong with... I think that's great if... I probably should stop running outside, as we've talked about eventually, and run inside due to sun damage. But uh, yeah, that I just... That's part of my reluctance to do it is that feels very confining. And But anyway, when our food habits are really, which are the best, uh, the, the thing that seems to work is uh, a meal or an eating style called Whole30, mm-hmm. which is basically just fruits, nuts, vegetables, and meat, mm-hmm. except peanuts. And that's all you can eat, basically. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're eliminating sugar, dairy, grains, all that. But um, yeah, that is if if I want to lose weight, that usually works very well for me. Yeah, it's basically just tricking your body into using fat sources to burn. Because uh, not a, whole thirty is not a diet. It's also it's supposed to uh, uh, highlight what foods might be causing you. Inflammation. Inflammation. So that's why there's like no legumes and shit in that regimen. But I... Well, and you know, the reality is sugar is the devil. Yes, it is. I feel awful when I eat lots of sugar. And then when I don't eat a lot of sugar and then I like, so being on Whole30 and then the first day back eating sugar is like, I like I feel ill. Mm-hmm. But it's just so hard. Everything has sugar. Yeah. It's amazing how like, like ketchup. Why does ketchup have sugar? <laughs> And then you can buy ketchup that doesn't have sugar, and it tastes the same. Oh, I just found beef jerky that didn't have sugar yesterday. But finding things that don't have sugar, like things that you wouldn't think have sugar, do. Yeah, bacon. Bacon, <laughs> uh, nuts in the bag. Yes. Like fucking well, cashews. You, have Like, why did you put sugar on these cashews? Pasta sauce. Well, because it's a preservative, so. But, yeah. So, anyway. I 
I also had a conversation with someone a week ago about how boring it is because they were asking me about fitness and I'm like, it's so boring to talk about it. And I hate when people talk about it. I don't, I don't like talking about it because I'm also not in the best shape. So I feel like when people, you know, the other thing about talking about your fitness and diet regimen is that people scrutinize your body. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't like talking about it because I'm not in the best shape. I don't profess to be. So Yeah. That's about all you'll get from me. Well, I, I think that you are selling yourself short. I think you're in great shape. Thank you. So films released we didn't cover. Emily the Criminal. Yeah. Uh, well, it would have been kind of a re... I watched this out of Sundance, and I think you watched part of it, which is why you didn't opt into reviewing it uh, with Aubrey Plaza. Oh. Where she I, plays that food delivery service. Yeah, I remember that. And then she starts... Uh, Stealing things, including... There's a pretty good scene where she steals that car from the dealership. Yeah, she, I, I, I do recall some of that. People are calling it a career best. And she is good in it, and I like her a lot. But, I mean, I prefer Black Bear. Uh, but So we did not review that. It opened this week. Next, Emergency Declaration. We tried to watch I, this. I did want to watch this, but what? the screening... For some reason, the screener wasn't, like, streaming to the Apple TV. I'm having trouble uh, casting it, but uh, I still have it, and I do plan to watch it, but it's a direct uh, Korean, South Korean film by, from Han J. Rim, uh, notably starring Song Kang Ho. Next is Inu O, which I know is animation. Yeah, anime from Masaki Yuasa. Uh, something about... Uh, two entities uh, with uh, uh, having rock concerts. That's all I know about it, but that opened this week as well. Next is Girl Picture. This was in the Generation 14 sidebar at Berlin. It might have won an award. Uh, directed by Ali Hapsalo. Uh, that opened this week. We did not review it. Lastly, Summering. Summering. James Ponsolt, who hasn't had a film since The Circle in 2017, which I hated uh and that was kind of a a, uh you know he's a very notable indie filmmaker and that was kind of a stepping out with uh, tom hanks and who's that little girl from the harry potter films emma watson uh and oh god it wasn't good but glenn headley and bill paxton were her parents who are both dead now it's one of their last films for both of them uh he hasn't done a new film so he he just directed summering was at sundance i missed it there and I have to say, I really didn't like it, but it's about a, a pair of four young girls. They're a week away from starting middle school, and they find a dead body. Uh, it's very much like Stand By Me meets Now and Then, uh, and we focus on their mothers as well. Uh, Lake Bell and Megan Mullally play two of the mothers. And I have to say, I just... Uh, I, that's how I felt about it. Uh, but I reviewed it for I Am Cinema. Movies you watched for fun, Did, something called Wounds. Yes, uh, I missed this on the Festival Circuit in 2019. Babak Anvari, uh, it's his second film starring Army Hammer and Zazie Beetz and Dakota Johnson. Uh, and I have to say, I think the casting is quite well done. And I, there, there are some faults to be had with the film, but overall I really enjoyed it uh, about this bartender who's an alcoholic and kind of... Uh, lets himself be consumed in this otherworldly drama. Wait, didn't I just watch something with Army Hammer in it? That's was I, you were in the room while I had it on. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah, okay. I. Uh, you know. It was not memorable to me. I don't. I, I just remember his face. That's it. Well, you didn't really watch it though. Oh. You went to bed. Oh. But I, I there were things I liked about it. Uh, <laughs> that's why it wasn't memorable because I didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. But but I I don't like Army Hammer. But I think that. His casting worked well for that kind of person. Ooh, and I am so ready for that 
Oh, that, yeah, that, that Hammer. Discovery's uh, that House of Hammer. And I know it's messy, and that's the problem with our culture is getting in people's business, but I cannot wait to watch that shit. Yeah, Because there's like a family member from like front and center telling all their business. Got his auntie <laughs> on there. Yeah. You know, I love mess and drama when it's not my own. Next, a movie called Traumazine. Uh, that's, not Traumazine? A, that's not a movie. I want to talk about Megan The Stallion's album that just dropped Friday, which I've been sampling. Oh. Um, Traumazine. Oh, Traumazine. And okay. I, the tracks I liked the most so far are her, NDA, and Anxiety. Uh, but I was sending you snippets. If I had had more time, I was going to outline all my favorite uh, lyrics of hers for you to read out loud. Because... <laughs> Well, man, why don't we revisit that next week then? Because I haven't—I didn't even know she had a new album. Yeah, it's—you uh, know—I get the sense that uh, you know she's a beautiful woman. It sounds like uh, a lot of other women give her a hard time. Uh, it sounds like she has a lot of sex that is physically fulfilling, but is not emotionally fulfilling. <laughs> um, oh, attack! Attack! That yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, I, I enjoy her quite a bit, and uh, Google informed me well. And I must search uh, things about her more than I thought, because Google informed me well ahead of time about when her album was dropping. All right, projects of interest, something called Electric State. Yeah, the Russo brothers, who I don't really care for, but uh, I like the cast that's shaping up for this uh, film, because uh, Millie Bobby Brown and Chris Pratt were attached, but now uh, it's also joined by Jenny Slate, Brian Cox, uh, Michelle Yeoh, and Stanley Tucci. And something called The Underdogs? Uh, Charles Stone, the director of Drumline, uh, is directing a film produced by Kenya Bear starring Snoop Dogg. It's a football comedy where he's an ex-NFL player. Hmm. And because so in Underdogs has, of course, the double G's. Okay, unfortunately, there are several entries in the obituary section. Oh, it's been a week, huh? First, Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. She passed away. She was struggling with breast cancer, mm -hmm. which had traveled to her lower back. So I'm sure she was in so much pain. Yeah. She was uh, 73. Yeah, but you created a list of films, like some of your favorite Olivia Newton-John films. Yeah, I mean... Well, well, we'll table one of them. I don't like Xanadu. I love the ELO title track, but that movie is hard to sit through for me. Uh, so that's not on this list. So, and she didn't do that many films, you know. I only... Th I, I, oh, gosh. I feel like before her passing, what would I have known her from? Probably, I know she's in Greece. Mm -hmm. And probably the song, like, Let's Get Physical. Mm -hmm. The music video. Uh that's about it. I don't know that I could have conjured her up in any other films and any other music. I don't know that I could have named any songs from Greece. Really? Okay. Yeah. So obviously the secret film's Greece because that's what that. Yeah, because I, I thought that we can't go another uh, week without. I don't. Okay, we'll save that conversation. But anyway, yeah. So I didn't know much about her. I know that like I've seen her do like she's was on Drag Race, I think. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I can see your list of films and I recognize now that I see it, I do remember her in um, one of these films. Mm -hmm. But anyway, what are the three films you mentioned? Sorted Lives from 2000. She's part of that ensemble. Um, Which I recommend. And also It's My Party from 1996, which is written and directed by uh, Randall, uh, what's his name, Kleiser, who directed Grease. Is that the one with Margaret Cho? 
I believe she's in that Lee Grant, a whole bunch of people where he's having a farewell party because he's got HIV. Okay. Uh, uh, Eric Roberts, I believe, is the lead star. I could rewatch that. It's been a minute. Eric Roberts is in a movie about a talking cat. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I should actually keep talking. I need to look that up. He's done a lot. I mean, you know, it's kind of like Danny Trejo where just we will do whatever, I guess. Uh, and then... From my childhood, it's a television film she did in 1990 called A Mom for Christmas that for whatever reason my mother had taped it, you know, on VHS from the, t- from the TV and I wore that shit out. I watched that all year round. She, <laughs> she plays this mannequin that comes to life <laughs> and, and becomes this little girl's mom and that's really all I remember. I could really rewatch it. I haven't seen it probably since the very early 90s uh, but I have very fond memories of that thing uh, getting back to the eric roberts movie the movie is called a talking cat question mark uh, uh it is unwatchable but uh the there there is a plot point that there is a talking cat and eric roberts voices that cat it's available somewhere because i've seen it twice actually you have put it yeah. on um and so the 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 sound for the talking cat is eric roberts but it looks it sounds like he like a phone conversation was recorded. Uh-huh. Like he provided his vocals via a telephone call and drunk and also under the influence okay. of something. It's really hard to watch. And listening to him do this is like, I don't they, I, if they paid him 20,000 to read these lines, I don't know, but it wasn't worth it. Cause it's pretty embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Is that all you have to say about Olivia? Uh, I never saw two of a kind, which reunited her with Mr. Travolta oh. in 1983. Uh, no, it's just, it's just sad, you know? Okay, next is Issey Miyake, the Japanese fashion designer. He passed away as well. Okay. Um, my memory of him is the very first cologne I ever bought for myself. Because I liked cologne a lot growing up because my dad liked it. And then some was purchased for me. But I believe I was like 19. And I remember going to a place inside of the... Uh, the forum shops at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas and I was with someone some guy I, I was hanging out with and he said he liked it like we were smelling cologne and so I bought it and that was the first time I ever bought like cologne for myself so and then the the bottle it comes in is beautiful it's like frosted white it's very flat it almost looks it almost looks like when you referenced uh, that Superman movie with the glass. Oh, Ter- General Zod. Yeah, it has Zod. that kind of shape. It's very geometric. Oh, you sound uh, like a collector. But yeah. Oh, the next item on your list is not a death, per se. It's not a death, but Yet. Salman Rushdie was uh, giving a talk, I believe. Yeah, he was on stage and... A lecture, and he stabbed many times. And someone ran up there and stabbed that man. That's crazy. That's twenty. Well, you know, do you know any background about that? No. Okay, so Salman Rushdie uh, wrote a book in, I think it was 1988, called The Satanic Verses, which uh, immediately caused controversy as being uh, blasphemous, uh, you know, Islamophobic, although I don't know if that's the term they were using back then. But Ayatollah issued a fatwa against him. And then he went into hiding for 10 years because all around the world, people were trying to murder him. Uh, Those that translated his book into other languages, including the Japanese translator and the Italian translator, were both murdered. Um, 
he's still published through, you know he's 75 now but that was uh, a, a big deal that, that was a that's a very famously banned book which to I have be honest uh, the only thing i know about him and the only reason i know about him is because he used to be married to padma lakshmi oh the, yeah the judge okay. from top chef so and then i know that there was like controversy around that like when she married him because he's much older yeah well he's older and not the most attractive man and, mm-hmm. but then also his writing so i i did know that's the only reason i knew who that was and that was the extent of it is that he's kind of controversial yes but it's wow it's some 24 24 year old from new jersey that's all i know uh but he might lose an eye like they stabbed him many times <laughs> lastly Anne Hayes, she's uh brain dead so in california that's considered uh, like officially dead but she's on life support so her organs can be harvested but yeah and hey she's gone yeah that's a bummer the circumstances under which her accident happened are still not clear because the toxicology report you know those things take a while Mm -hmm. but um she definitely had cocaine in her system Um, and apparently not alcohol but some narcotics yeah poor thing um, um, I mean, to die that way is just so crazy. Like, yeah, I mean, that was a, this just such a crazy story, and then that's how it's ending. But it wasn't her. Didn't she have an episode like after the Ellen thing where she was like out in the field talking about aliens or like 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 didn't she bum rush some house one time? There were a few different things, but it, you know, she had kind of a hard childhood. She has a, an, a memoir called "Call Me Crazy," which I haven't read. Uh, you know, but I. I know that she's been through a lot. I remember a few years ago she had uh, issues with uh, the man who she has the child with because she was paying him alimony and I think she wasn't getting the same kind of paycheck she used to and was having trouble keeping up with payment. Uh, So, Oh, the incident is, yeah, right after she broke up with Ellen, she was driving only wearing bra and panties and like parked her car, walked like a significant distance to some ranch house where the person um, who owned the home like greeted her and it was clear that she was like under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Um, but yeah, like she's, you know, it's, it's just sad. It's, it's sad. Yeah. And she has made comments about herself and her mental health that are kind of alarming, mm-hmm. but you know, it's hard cause people, People do things and and have exhibit red flags and you know we all not we all but some of us say things that are alarming and it's just like there's only so much the people around you can do right right especially when you have resources right like this lady was still working she's still working yeah and making money like she certainly could take care of herself maybe not at the you know at the level that she may have been accustomed to accustomed to at different points in her life but still it's like the same with michael jackson like you can't tell michael jackson anything his his money was still right like he's still super powerful in a sense because of his celebrity so yeah it's it's just sad and the the way she died is so like upsetting yeah it it is upsetting and for the people who cared about her like to see her that way yeah like oh my goodness uh, but, you know, she had quite, I think people forget really that she's had a very, quite the varied career. Well, you made a list of films of hers you like, so why don't you go through them? Um, at number five, I have a tie between Catfight, a 2016 film where she co-starred with Sandra Oh, which is 
basically that's what the film is her these two women having a, a down and out cat bite uh, that is quite violent and then uh, my friend Dahmer in 2017 where she played Jeffrey Dahmer's mother mm. uh, which you saw yeah uh, next on my list is I don't remember her in it though <laughs> She, I mean, it's a small supporting. She was, an, you know, an absent mother. She was consumed with her own issues. Uh, two films from 2011 that Anne Hayes did that both starred Sigourney Weaver, although I don't believe that she shared any scenes with Sigourney in either of them, but Cedar Rapids, starring Ed Helms, uh, directed by Miguel Arteta, and Ramparts, directed by Oren Moverman, uh, where I believe Anne Hayes and Cynthia Nixon are in a lesbian relationship, but they both had children with Woody Harrelson's character. Mm. If you remember that. Mm-mm. I remember I dragged you to see that. Uh, next, Birth, uh, Jonathan Glazer's, that's a masterpiece. With Nicole Kidman? Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. When I tell you, I couldn't tell you anything about Anne Heche except that she used to date Ellen DeGeneres. I had no idea she was in any of these movies. <laughs> yeah. like it, I couldn't have told you what she's famous for except being with Ellen DeGeneres. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, didn't, I don't know what television show she's, I really don't know anything about her. I, I you know, her, one of the, her biggest Hollywood pictures was Six Days, Seven Nights with Harrison Ford, oh. which I've never seen. Um, anyway, uh, Birth, oh, with that close-up of Nicole, uh, such a good movie. Um, you haven't seen that? I know you've seen Birth. Yeah, but I don't, I couldn't have told you she's in it. Anne Heche is the one that doesn't believe she knows there's something wrong with that. I know it's about Nicole Kidman and her husband's dead and it's come back as like this little boy and then and, she and, has sex with him in a bathtub or something. Well, or? she's naked with him in a bathtub. Yeah. But Anne Heche was sleeping with Nicole's husband. Oh, That's why yeah, she knows. I couldn't have told you that. And then you have Wild Side. Wild Side was Donald Kamel's last film before he killed himself. And there was a lot... He had a lot of trouble getting this made. It filmed in Long Beach, star, co-starring Joan Chen and Christopher Walken and he wanted Anne Heche. She wasn't notable at all in 1995 she'd done some things he wanted Anne Heche and he could not get the money to finance it starring her and that kind of caused his ruination uh, and there's a really bizarre story about him killing himself because I think his, he asked his wife to film it mm. but uh, that was an early Anne Heche role that I do quite like and I think that movie is very enjoyable especially if you like those people um, and then number one on my list is Nicole Hall of Center's Walking and Talking starring Anne Heche and Catherine Keener which you have seen because I remember uh, showing that to you in Minneapolis I do not that's, recall that's the movie where Catherine Keener um, is dating that guy that she thinks is ugly oh I remember that yeah that's <laughs> Anne Heche's voice on the phone that says are you still with that ugly guy and he hears it and, I remember that scene yeah. and then she's calling the video store trying to get a hold of him and what does she say? Like, do you have the complete films of Stanley Kubrick? I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a good movie. But well, yeah. anyhow, it's sad. Um, oh, and um, Locarno Film Festival just ended yesterday, and the winner was a Brazilian film called Rule Thirty Four about a woman that's delving into her uh, BDSM autoerotic asphyxiation side, which I just watched yesterday. Mm. Well, moving on to the secret film, we have 20 minutes. I don't know that we need that much time to talk about this movie. <laughs> so the movie is Grease, the 1978, which was a good year, mm-hmm. a film directed by... Randall Kleiser. Do you know Randall Kleiser? Yeah, he directed It's My Party with Olivia. Previous oh, to this... That's uh, what you said, yeah. okay. Uh, previous to this, he directed television... He directed The Boy in the Plastic Bubble with John Travolta, which we've seen. I've never seen Grease, but... That's why if, I picked it. Cause... If my memory is serving me correctly, I believe my sister likes this movie and maybe 
like she's watched it and I've been like at home when she's watched it, but I couldn't have told you anything about the movie except that I know John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John are in it. I don't, some of the songs that I heard, I didn't realize were from this movie. Okay. If you pushed me to name a song from the movie, I probably could have conjured up You're the One That I Want. Sure. Dun, 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 dun. But, um, Look at me, I'm Sandra D. Or would no, oh, absolutely not. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have known that. And the opening song, um, Grease is the Word, I didn't know that was from this movie. Yeah. Because I remember Very hearing good. that song and liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the story is not what I thought it was. Okay, so I haven't watched this since <laughs> I was a teenager, but my mother loved this film and my dad hated it. And I remember watching it on TNT for the first time or something as a kid and being amused, um, you know, because it's set in the 50s. It's set in the 50s. Like like the big film uh, on the marquee in the opening credits is Tammy and the Bachelor, starring Debbie Reynolds. So th- that's the that's not a favorite period of mine in any regard. Uh, and most of these people, there's only one black person in the movie. There's a couple in the the dance off scene. <laughs> and he's just like in the background dancing. Yes, yes, it's a very at the dance off for American Bandstand or whatever it's called. Oh, it's it's a very white film. Uh, it's I don't like any of the characters. Well, here's the thing. I didn't like it. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I wouldn't watch it again, like, on my own accord. Maybe if there's some rooftop screening someone invites us to and I'm promised, you know, alcohol and red vines, maybe I would go. And there's good parking, covered parking. But, um, yeah, it... It's... It's if cotton candy were a film and you ate too much of it is yeah, how this feels. It's not really because some of the themes are. It's very adults. Well, kind of. I mean, there's like, you know, the characters I found more interesting were not uh, the leads. I Correct. thought uh, Stockard Channing, Stockard was... Channing, and the one Fr- Frenchie. Yes, I thought Frenchie and Rizzo were more interesting because Rizzo's dealing with like you know, this potential pregnancy and how everyone's reacting to her. Mm-hmm. And then Frenchie seems to be the only responsible one who's, like, going to leave school to go to beauty school. Didi and, Khan, yep. And she wants to take care of herself. I thought those characters were way more interesting than Sandra D and uh, whatever... Uh, Danny Zuko. Danny are doing. But the basics... And it's not even a basic story. It's kind of complicated. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going but on. But basically, it's about Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta... Over the summer before their senior year, they had met like at a beach and sort of had like a, there's a song called like Summer Romance yeah. or some, Summer Lovin'. Summer Lovin'. So they, the, these two teenagers meet and fall in love over the summer, but don't like think they're ever going to reconnect. Because she lives in Sydney. <laughs> because she's from Australia and assumed that she was going back. But plans changed and now she's living in the US and finishing high school at this school and she doesn't know that. John Travolta also goes there. Mm-hmm. So they reconnect. But he's part of this gang of guys who are like assholes. And mm-hmm. so they, she kind of, she overhears him talking about her in a negative way or a disparaging way. So then the bulk of the film is her sort of doing her own thing. She's like at one point dating Lorenzo Lamas. Who and, I remember as a kid thinking was very, I, he was the handsome one to me, but. The one I found most attractive was Kaniki, but I think. Lorenzo Lamas, if it weren't for that awful blonde hair, yeah, yeah he's very handsome. But anyway, uh, she... Je- Kaniki's played by Jeff Conaway. Did you recognize he's dead now too? No, uh, he's in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, and I remember liking that person. That that's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he was the most 
like handsome one, but they're all you know, there are a lot of good looking John Travolta people. is very good. There are a lot of good guys. looking people in the movie. Some of the guys in his little gang are cute. Uh, but anyway, obviously they get back together and then the end of the song the end of the movie is them singing You're the one that I want. Mm-hmm. So And then all's driving, well that ends well. Driving off into the sky. In a well, we'll get to all that. <laughs> but so we already talked about my first two notes. So the casting is pro- is really distracting because some of these people look elderly. Oh, they do, R- yes. As soon as Rizzo, uh, Stucker Channing, walks up on the screen, I was like, that looks like someone's mom. <laughs> she looks like one of these characters' moms. Then one of the guys in John Travolta's little gang, they all look, only a couple, only one of them, the, the little blonde, mm-hmm. looked like he was high school age, but the rest looked like they're in their 20s. Yes. And then one of the guys named Sonny, he Ooh. looked like someone's dad. Michael Tucci. Yeah, he looks... <laughs> he looked like someone's dad. He was dad. raggedy in every possible but way. But even the background people, like, they clearly didn't hire teenagers. No, like, not Some at of all. these people in the cafeteria look like, like, whole-ass adults. Mm-hmm. Um, watching this made me remember that how much I really, really like Alice Ghostly. And I know her from Designing Women. Mm-hmm. I yes. just, I, I would definitely, I don't know if she's done any movies. I don't know her except from Designing Women, but I remember liking her so much as a kid and I would watch a movie with her. She's in, in you've never seen The Graduate? No. She's in that, uh, in To Kill a Mockingbird, she's the aunt. I've seen To Kill a Mockingbird, I don't recall her. But um, I thought Frenchie, looking at her, reminds me of Lady Gaga. Yeah, Except yeah. I like Frenchie better. <laughs> she seems sweet. Um, and Frankie Avalon pops up in a cameo to sing her beauty school dropout. So for people who haven't seen it, like, Frank, John Travolta's character is like, a, you know, it's like 50s. Like, he has that greaser hair and, like, the rolled up sleeves and all the, you know, and he's part of these guys and they're all... They're kind of bad guys, but they also seem to have an awareness of, like, they're being assholes. I mm-hmm. thought the characterization and the writing of the, that little group of guys was not the best. Because they're um, talking about women in a derogatory way at one point, And then at another point, they're sitting on the like in the bleachers at, like, a football game or something. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys is, like, looking up another girl's skirt. Yeah, the blonde putsy. And, and, and then, yeah, he's the one who I thought looked appropriate. And then the one who looks elderly is telling him, like, stop that. So it's like, wait, like, are you guys dicks or not? Like, I don't, I, I didn't like that characterization. But anyway, so John Travolta's part of that crew. And then S- Olivia Newton-John's part of this group of girls who wear, like, pink jackets or something. Mm-hmm, the pink ladies. And they're a little, like, like these girls are a little fast. They got yeah. hot draws. Mm-hmm. And Sandra D, Olivia Newton-John's character, is, like, very sweet and very wholesome. So... The first time they hang out, like, for real, is they do, like, a sleepover. hmm Which I thought was, like... That would have been my favorite scene, except Rizzo has a song. And I didn't like that song. You didn't like Sandra D. Look at me, I'm Sandra D. Yeah. Okay. I didn't really love that. But I thought the scene was kind of fun, because Rizzo's making fun of her, and then Frenchie wants to pierce Sandra D's ear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, girl, and don't it, you let her do that. And it's not good at it, and, yeah. And, and then one of the other girls, like, oh, one of the other girls offers her virgin pin, mm-hmm. like the little pin she wears to denote she's a virgin. And then... Somebody says Fran- good for something. Fran- yeah, she- <laughs> someone says, oh, well, at least it'll be good for something. And then Frenchie's like, I'll use that to pierce Sandra's ear. And she puts that pin in her mouth to clean it. Yeah. Oh, that took me all the way out. Yeah. And they go in the bathroom and Sandra D passes out from the sight of blood. That was a cute little scene. Um... Then there's a scene because Kaniki drives like this raggedy ass car and the 
there's another group of guys called the Scorpions, mm-hmm. the leader of which had the worst skin I've seen in a long time. Did. It was like Edward James almost skin. And he's supposed to be high schooler. Yeah. And he looked like Viggo Mortensen's like wrecked brother or something. He, that, he's supposed to be in high school. That, that man looked 43. That <laughs> was Dennis. That was Dennis Stewart. He died in 1994 from complications with HIV. Oh, well, uh, bless his soul. But uh, yeah. So th- there's a moment when Kaniki's driving and that scorpion guy like hits his car and he's all mad because his car's messed up, even though it's already raggedy. And so there's a scene where they sing a song called Grease Lightning. Yeah, that's a big song. I actually thought that was my favorite scene. It's so gay. It's so gay. <laughs> oh, my God. And watching John Travolta, all the guys dance was like, oh, my God. It's, that's like gentlemen prefer blondes level gay. Yeah, but um, I thought it was fun. Then there's a scene when, because John Travolta gets funky when he sees Olivia on a date with Lorenzo Lamas. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of says like, well, at least he's like a man, basically. Like he plays sports and Mm -hmm. what do you do? So then the next scene is John Travolta with the PE coach saying like, I want to play sports. So we get Sid Caesar. So, Mm -hmm. so we get a montage of, John Travolta trying different sports. Yeah, it's like, is he coaching all of these? I thought that was fun. Sure. Then, of course, I'm familiar with, you know, I've used the phrase beauty school dropout, but Mm -hmm. I I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the song. But after hearing it, which Frankie Avalon sings, it's pretty mean. Yeah, it is mean. (laughs) Yeah, basically saying your only prostitute would be a, or your only customer would be a hooker. He's basically talking shit about Frenchie. They're all mean, really, in this. Then there's a dance-off. Ugh. Which is where another point when uh, Olivia and John get into a little fight because they're dancing and then some character named Cha-Cha takes over mm-hmm. and then it's Cha-Cha and John Travolta who win the contest. First of all, that lady Cha-Cha looked like she was in her 40s. She's beautiful though. <laughs> She's beautiful, but she does not look like a high school she, she student. She reminded me of uh, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story actually. There's a funny scene where Rizzo tells one of the girls like, I'm pregnant, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> The girl who wears the virgin pin, mm-hmm. she tells her, like, I'm pregnant, but don't tell anyone. And then there's a scene where she tells one person, and then it spreads so fast. It spreads as she's walking. Like, the, literally, the as she's walking shot. through the drive-in, it spreads so fast that Kaniki, the one who she thinks she's pregnant by, is, like, walking up to her as she's... I thought that was a very well-done mm-hmm. shot. Yes. Then, for some reason, there's, like, this race, like, at Thunder Road, where mm-hmm. uh, Kaniki's supposed to race Viggo Mortensen, but then he falls and bumps his head, so John Travolta has to do it, and, of course, John Travolta wins the race. And they, we've established that those two have kind of this bromance. Yeah, then there's this weird bromance because uh, Kaniki asks John Travolta, like, if he'll go with him, My and then John Travolta says, like, oh, as your driver, and he's like, no. Like, as my date, kind of. Mm-hmm. And then they hug. And they get real excited. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought, obviously, I'm sure back in 78, when Olivia Newton-John came out at that damn carnival mm-hmm. in her You're the One That I Want outfit, she looks amazing. She does, yeah. She looks perfect. The ass is a little flat, but <sighs> she looks perfect. She looks perfect. Yeah, she's a skinny little white thing. It's, yeah. it's pretty striking to see her. And mm-hmm. then I'm uh, thinking about Raja doing it on... Yeah. All-Star 7, he comes out as her in that outfit, and he looked amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then, of course, the film ends with that damn car with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John riding off into the clouds. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, 
interesting some of the music's cute yes but yeah it's it's pretty saccharine and the plot is a little chaotic and i think that it would have been more interesting to focus on characters i mean literally the olivia newton john's character is so boring she is she has nothing to do and that's and that's like her character like she's supposed to be like this very like bland vanilla girl it's just not fun to watch her no there's i mean beyond her being beautiful and having a nice voice She's as boring to me as that girl who played the main girl in West Side Story, who won an Rachel award. Zegler? That little one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like just equally as boring, mm-hmm. but but beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she doesn't come alive until the end when she changes her, you know, her outfit and her hair. When she becomes bad. But seeing, you know, John Travolta, it's cute seeing him so young and thin and... <laughs> And then vibrant, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's some old Hollywood in this film too. Joan Blondell is. Oh, the principal. Do you know? Do you know who that is? Who's that? Eve Arden. Okay, I could watch a movie with her just being a principal of a school. Mm-hmm. She was so fun to watch. She Eve and Arden. her little assistant. Oh yes, that she's kind of abusive towards. <laughs> she, who she's abusive towards. Eve Arden, you know, because she plays Joan Crawford's best friend in Mildred Pierce. Oh, She's the one that, I could rewatch Mildred Pierce. Oh, Mildred Pierce, Pierce so good. Uh, she had her own show for a while, too. But yeah, Eve Arden is a lot of fun. That voice, uh, that kind of withering sentiment. Um, yeah, she's she's a lot of fun. But Joan Blondell is Vi, the waitress. Oh, yes. Poor thing. Those kids at the diner, and they order all that shit, and she brings it out, and I don't see anyone pay for it, and they spill yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> she, You know her from the original Nightmare Alley, uh, and I know that there's a clip I play a lot from a film called Lizzie, which is based on a Shirley Jackson novel, where I think it's Eleanor Parker has mental um, has multiple personalities, and Joan Blondell's sh- screaming at her, "You look like a slut," and she says, "Look like I am." <laughs> and there's also another great clip from that movie where she says, "What? How dare you talk that way about bourbon? What's bourbon done to you?" Um, so yes, love Joan Blondell. And Fanny Flagg is the school nurse. Fanny Flagg is the author of Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. Um, I'm trying to think who else I might be missing, but uh, Ellen Travolta is also a waitress in the film. Oh. I think she's the one that's um, the, uh, watching, watching the dance-off. Um, but yeah. The it, dance-off uh, was kind of fun. And then the guy, uh, I forget his name, Vinny. Vin, Vince Fontaine. Yeah. I mean, this, I, I don't know what came from, I'm assuming, I'm going to sound so ignorant, but Hairspray came out after Grease, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the like the musical or yes. whatever, the original material. Yes. And of but, course, before Grease was the film, there was the stage production. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like things have been done since this film that do it better, like components of it Mm. do it better. But, you know, I guess as sort of a classic film and story, I can see how people loved it back in the late 70s. I mean, this was such a big deal. And I can see how it catapulted the two leads. Um, Well, this is after Saturday Night Fever. But, I mean, didn't... For John Travolta. But this really solidified Olivia Newton-John, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. In the United States, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And then John Travolta had already sort of taken off with Saturday Night Fever. Yes, which I is I prefer. And we saw a screening of that at the AFI. Well, Saturday Night, Night Fever is dark. Yes. Which is funny because, yeah. You, you wouldn't think You that, wouldn't yeah. think it would be that sort of dark and serious. But, yeah, Grease, I would, I don't know. I would give it like two and a half out of five. I'm just like, it's okay. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't even really that excited to watch it. But I feel like it's something that you should see 
based on the impact. That being said, if there were like a live production of it nearby, I would probably check that didn't, out. Didn't Rosie O'Donnell play Rizzo Forever on Broadway as well? Oh, did she? I want to say yes. Hmm. Anyhow, we have four minutes. What do you want to say? Um, I've read this uh, this week. I finished. I read The Whale, uh, which Darren Aronofsky, the play that uh, starring Brendan Fraser, is that six hundred pound gay man uh, that I'm about to see in Venice. And then I also read Bones and All, uh, that cannibal love story that Luca Guadagnino has directed with Timothée Chalamet and Taylor Russell. Uh, that book felt a little YA to me. Enjoyable, but it's. Um, uh, I, I'm interested to see what. Guadagnino does with that. And now I'm reading The Sailor Who Fell from Grace with the Sea uh, by Yukio Mishima, which I've never read uh, anything by Mishima, but uh, there's a really great Paul Schrader film about his life. You know, he, he committed public seppuku uh, after finishing his uh, opus, this uh, tetralogy. Anyway. Public seppuku. He did. Any... He was also homosexual. Oh, good for him. Homosexual. Anything else? No. All right, bye.